0: Hi there, welcome to this week's episode of Union Matters, NSGEU's podcast. I'm your host this week, Holly Frotton, and I'm joined here today by NSGEU's very own president, Jason McLean. Welcome to the show, Jason.
1: Hi, Holly. Hi. Happy New Year.
0: You too. Uh, So today we have invited you on to do a bit of a kind of year in review and to talk about what happened in 2019 and to look ahead to 2020. It's been a busy year.
1: It has <laughs> we've <been>. got a <laughs> lot
0: we've done a lot it's great
1: it, it's been amazing though it, yeah. it's been a it's been a whirlwind year uh, we had some some ups and some downs um but uh, I believe we're growing stronger as a union and I believe uh, that our that our members participation in the post uh, convention, goings-on which mm. would be the local officers training and the in the uh, regional council training along with the occupational council training like we had all these things going on a whirlwind of a month and a half two months in uh, september and october and um the participation was up yeah like over half of our board is brand new yeah right so that's pe- exciting yeah people are excited about the union and they want to get involved and yeah. and that that feels really good to see that happen because we're out there talking to people, but you don't know if if people are actually listening or interested or whatever, but we're getting more and more people interested in being active in the union, and we encourage
0: it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but after years of going head to head with Stephen McNeil and his Liberal government here in Nova Scotia, I kind of felt like 2019 was relatively quiet, or at least less adversarial, let's say. Uh, what do you think?
1: Well, it, it, it appeared to me that the McNeil government wanted to switch gears. Mm-hmm. Uh, they dealt; We've dealt with six years of austerity measures from them. Uh, they knew that we'd fight them on every end. And not only that, we were successful in, in most parts, starting back in 2017 on. And it, they just wanted to, they learned, I believe, to start working with the groups as opposed to Uh, just coming out with an announcement and getting burnt on it later on. Mm -hmm. And the examples of that were uh, when they originally uh, took power, they came out with these pieces of legislation for essential services without any type of consultation. Mm -hmm. They came with Bill 148, which was wage restraint without any type of consultation. Uh, This time around, I think they started to learn from the public when they went to Cape Breton and they announced that uh, they were closing two hospitals and that backfired on them yeah they got booed yeah. they, they got booed out of there and and there was no consultation with the public and subsequently they ended up reversing what they want to because they were going to mm-hmm. close them and then uh, do p3 builds and now what they're doing is that they're still closing them but they're going to be publicly owned hospitals
0: mm-hmm. yeah and no, it was nice to see them reverse that in cape breton um it kind of feels like maybe it's just that the public opinion that has changed a little bit like people don't seem to be receiving that heavy-handed approach as well as they were maybe at the beginning of his first term because he's gone after so many different groups of people not just NSGEU members he's really gone after the teachers he went after the lawyers he's kind of attacked the doctors even like really every group of Worker and Nova Scotian, he he's gone after them, or he's tried to take something away from them, and not include them in the process in any way.
1: Yeah, he 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 learned how to legislate with a hammer. Yeah, and now he's learning how to cooperate a little bit more. Yeah, uh, one thing I do believe is he caught a little bit of friction within his own caucus because, mm. in my meetings with uh, different uh, ministers or different deputy ministers or bureaucrats. They have a portfolio that they want to do, and they want to perform, and they want to make better. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he's smashing everything up, they can't get any traction or get anything done because there's no cooperation within any of the entities within Nova Scotia. And so, uh, I think he got some, you know, some heat with within, and ultimately he had to listen. Also, he he tried to attack the. Um, the Crown prosecutors, and when he tried to attack the crown, cr- crown prosecutors, he let everybody or tried to lead everybody to believe that it was for their own good and mm. he was helping them out, giving them the right to strike. But people quickly seen through that. And not only that, he seen everybody band behind him. He thought this was a group that could be attacked because they made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But what people seen was unfairness, and uh, that really pushed him backwards.
0: And I mean, I hope I haven't jinxed us by saying that things are less confrontational with this government, but hey,
1: we still have our, <laughs> we still bump heads with them and everything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. but now what they do is reach out. and not only that, we, we have uh, an avenue to discuss issues as opposed to just getting out in the streets and making noise. That's not what we want to do. Uh, our members want to make Nova Scotia, Uh, a better, safer place for everybody to work. Yeah. And uh, I think government has gotten uh, the message that we need to work together to achieve this.
0: Yeah. We just want fair deals. Um, So do you think that we're going to have any major battles ahead of us in 2020?
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I don't mean to laugh about it, but um, we say it's been more cooperative than everything else, but once the, you know, the rubber hits the road, then uh, you're going to see what the government is made of, so uh, we have uh, healthcare bargaining on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with healthcare bargaining, uh, we have our members in four different bargaining units in nursing, in healthcare support, and admin professionals who are telling us they're just getting used to their collective agreement and the provisions within their collective agreement. It's brand new to most, mm-hmm. and uh, what they want is raises. Mm-hmm. The cost of milk is going up other things are getting more costly uh and what they want to do is uh, get raises because they've taken the ones in the 1.5s mm-hmm. and uh, they say they're not taking it anymore so our focus i believe going into bargaining will be to uh, obtain uh, a fair wage for everybody to get mm-hmm. more money uh, that is something that i've been hearing in every local meeting that i go to and i've been hearing in in uh, workplace visits that i've done
0: mm-hmm. everyone's having a hard time keeping up with the cost of living and uh, prices of everything are going up. So it would be nice. if. And
1: workers in this province did their part. They mm-hmm. they took the ones and the 1.5s and it's been in the zeros. Mm-hmm. And here we are in 2020. And we're looking at just getting fair deals.
0: Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's interesting because, you know, you have the premier, he was just a few months ago on the front page of the Metro saying that, you know, our economy has never been stronger. We're doing great as a province, but when it comes time to get down to brass tacks at the bargaining table, he cries poor every time.
1: Yeah, we 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 can only do what we can afford, Yeah, is what he says. But then he he talks out the other side of his mouth. We're doing the best we've ever done.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting how that, mm-hmm. that shifts. And it's interesting, they can afford tons of trips to China and all sorts of lavish stuff like that. So,
1: well, I, I'll tell you, he, he must have close connections in China because he's been there Lots, a lot.
0: A lot. Um, priorities, I guess. Uh, so, healthcare bargaining, when are we gearing up for that? How does that work this time around? Because it's, we, after the kind of amalgamation of the healthcare. Um, system, you know, we, we now bargain with the other unions. So it's a little bit more of a convoluted process, perhaps, than it's been for us in the past.
1: Yeah, well, we do have the Council of Unions, and uh, the Council of Unions consist of NSGEU, NSNU, Unifor, and CUPE. And uh, I sit on the council, uh, myself and our executive director, Rob McLean. And we will be getting together and making decisions on, you know, what tables we feel should go first and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but internally, we have to have that discussion as well with our board of directors for coordinated bargaining policy and things of that nature. But uh, we already started the ball rolling, like with our I mean professionals in the IWK. Uh, we got a group in there late last spring mm-hmm. and uh, we started discussing um, essential services because because of Bill. 37, uh, before we go into a uh, round of bargaining, we have to have our essential services worked out. Mm. Uh, so what we tried to do was get ahead of it and we're still working it out and, and uh, resurrecting everything as we speak. What we need to do is is get together and uh, establish what the uh, levels are for the IWK with the men professionals because as you know, in our last round of bargaining, we were able to establish healthcare uh, levels. Mm-hmm. So when we establish those healthcare levels, that's what really got the ball rolling on bargaining. So we already believe we have that already mapped out. Uh, that is no problem. We can move forward with that plan in healthcare, but we want to get it done in the other three bargaining units. And <clears throat> It's uh, a big body
0: of work too, right? Like it's, to a, be-
1: it, it's a huge body of work. That's why it's so much better to do it in the IWK as opposed to doing it in the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Because
0: it's not <laughs> province wide. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the IWK is like, one-tenth the size of the health authority so you're dealing with a smaller group of people and and you can establish that
0: so if we can map it out at a smaller location like that then the idea is that you can kind of extrapolate that at a larger scale for the whole nsha at a later date absolutely cool gotcha okay that makes sense so we're in the process of doing that work now and hopefully going to move forward yeah, because
1: yeah. Uh, the all the agreements they expire uh, mm-hmm. on March thirty first. That's so. cr-
0: that's crazy. I feel like <laughs> that just I feel like we just concluded those. But anyway, we did, and yeah. we still
1: have some tables that we haven't concluded yet in yeah. that whole round of bargaining. This has been a six year round of bargaining for yeah. us due to the six legislative bills that yeah. were put forward. It's
0: been a marathon, and I expect that too. Interestingly enough, it's probably been similarly trying on the government side like all the people who are negotiating on behalf of the government it it creates a lot more work for them too so
1: well really- they they won't they won't admit it but you can see it in their faces yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're aging yeah okay quickly okay <laughs> they seem somewhat distressed yeah well one thing that we're really watching in, in terms of bargaining is the uh the teachers union is at the table oh yeah as okay. we speak they've yeah. been at the table for almost a year now mm-hmm. and uh two of the years that the teachers will be bargaining will affect, we mm. believe will affect the bargaining so, of NSGU members.
0: Yeah. So they could set a wage pattern or part of a wage pattern.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I mean, most people don't like to speak of a pattern, mm. but, um, we've been known to, uh, set wages for other groups and the teachers have been known to as well. Okay. Uh, so that has been established it's happened in the past. Yeah. So we expect, uh, you know, it would be difficult for us to achieve more than what the teachers did in those those, those two, two years. years.
0: Okay, so we're watching that very closely. We now. are okay. watching that. <laughs> so I wanted to also touch on kind of one of the biggest, uh, the biggest issues that we tackle as a union and one of our highest priorities is probably the health and safety of our members, specifically within the workplace. Um, so we had some pretty big wins on the OH&S front in 2019. Um, do you want to touch on some of those Jason I know you especially you come from a corrections background so you could speak specifically to well uh, right.
1: since you brought up corrections uh, we've I believe we've had quite a bit of success in corrections mm-hmm. uh, We do have a, a new management regime I guess if you want to call it over there uh, over t- over downtown Halifax I should say that are, more responsive to issues that come forward and when we are bringing issues forward uh, it just seems that they're out to try and fix it so one example is uh, the plan all along in direct supervision and corrections was to have one staff member uh, in each area Mm -hmm. well we've since settled on having two staff in there yeah and we would say that's not optimal but that is much better than than having one staff member in there. And the argument we've always used, and myself having a background being corrections, is uh, you always need somebody to corroborate what you've done, to back you up on your procedures in mm-hmm. order to, if you got to lock somebody up, you can't lock somebody up by yourself. So yeah. it only makes sense to do that, right? So I won't spend much time on, on the corrections end, but I, I do have an issue that is uh, in front of us uh, constantly is at East Coast Forensic Hospital, mm-hmm. which uh,
0: can you explain what that is for somebody who might not know what what that facility is?
1: So the East Coast Forensic hospitals have different aspects of it, really. It, it has a, a, a section where people are you know criminally remanded or criminally or held because of criminal activity, mm-hmm. but they also have mental health issues as well. okay, And uh, they need treatment. and so they're in uh, what's called the MYOU. Uh, I'm at a loss to tell you exactly what, what that the, stands for. What it stands for right now. It's I, okay. We
0: have lots of acronyms.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and but then there's a rehab unit okay. there, and then there's other people that are housed there uh, just for psychiatric treatment.
0: So it's actually a health facility that's located at the correctional facility. Yes, so it's and the it's jail.
1: usually tied to some sort of court order or somebody that's been involved with the law.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So they're kind of the patients that are, that the healthcare workers are dealing with in this particular facility are maybe a little more high risk than. Absolutely. Than okay.
1: And that's what, so the, the interesting part about this is you have correctional officers working there and you have healthcare staff working there, yeah. be it, uh, you know, men, professionals, healthcare workers, uh, support workers, or even, um, um, nurses. Yeah. So, uh, so we have our four bargain units that work there along with, uh, a fifth bargain unit, which would be our 480 members in corrections. Yeah. But there's a constant clash between policies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, you have things that run a certain way in a jail. Mm-hmm. This by effect is a jail. However, it's a hospital too.
0: Yeah. So do you it, treat them as patients or as inmates? Well, there's therapeutic
1: pieces that are, that are yeah. added into it. I mean, one of them is none of the correctional officers over that side wear uniforms yeah right so they're plain clothed
2: yeah
1: uh that is something that was established uh, some time ago but the nova scotia health authority runs that entire area yeah so we get a lot of clash on what policy should be in a jail atmosphere yeah as opposed to what they are in a hospital setting yeah so um this is something that i'm actually working on right now with uh the the executive director of correctional services, as well as I touch base with a director within uh, Nova Scotia Health Authority. And we're currently having this conversation on how we're going to work with the health authority to implement policies that are both safe for the patients and safe for the staff that work there, Mm -hmm. but are also efficient to have people uh, be able to conduct themselves in a manner that is both a hospital and a correctional facility
0: yeah to navigate that because it's a unique setting it's not it's a typical, very unique yeah okay yes. that's interesting and uh we also did some work with getting uh domestic violence language and leave in our collective agreement before and this was actually before government passed legislation and they introduced it's three is it three days of paid leave for uh victims of domestic violence mm-hmm. yes uh, but as the a component of the Nova Scotia Federation of Labour we've been advocating for that is that is that correct
1: yeah, Absolutely this is something that we're very proud of uh achieving to get paid domestic violence leave yeah. and to be able to take other days that are not paid mm-hmm. However we would like to get 10 paid yeah. domestic violence leave and that's just something that we're currently on the lobby and, and we won't stop yeah. on it we'll keep pushing forward to it to enhance uh, the lead provisions. But, uh, this is a lot of work that we did with the Nova Scotia Federation of Labor along with the, uh, the Canadian Labor Congress. Yeah. So, uh, our women's issues committee, uh, our first VP, Sandra Mullen and the chair at the time, Tracy Groves, they did a lot of work. Uh, and as well as internally in N S G U we had two staff, which was, uh, Nicole McKim and, um, Gina Boyd that, that did the work. So, um, it was a collaborative effort um, uh, uh, straight across labor mm-hmm. and uh, really led by the CLC because uh, they had the good data and they had the the uh, the, um, the resources that we could take and push forward into every corner of yeah. Nova Scotia. at the so, provincial level, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's nice to see that it's being implemented here as well as other places in Canada. Um, we also have seen some progress on the front at the Deputy Sheriff level i understand well uh, safety, they had a change in
1: leadership over the last year yeah. and uh, constantly uh, we've been getting co- contacted by our members that are in sheriff services we have some old uh, justice centers we have some new ones but we still have some old ones uh-huh. and the reason why we have new ones is because the old ones weren't sufficient anymore for safety yeah so we had issues like in the uh, spring garden road of all places because people People wouldn't think that the Spring Garden Road uh, courthouse would be an issue. Mm. However, uh, when you when you think of, of Halifax and you think how we like to hold on to old buildings mm-hmm. in this city, uh, then it makes sense that there would be issues there. Like they tried to upgrade it and do some things. But uh, prisoner transportation within the, uh, the courthouses across the province are in a separate elevator and away from the public. Mm-hmm not that's not the no, case in, yeah. in there you're bringing people straight through all the public and everything else which we identified years ago is an issue yeah so uh with the leadership over there at the uh, in chair of services uh we've been able to have i guess better conversations on what safety needs to be done uh-huh. and and uh, be able to influence some assessments on some places uh-huh. uh there was some updates done to the uh dartmouth the dartmouth uh, courthouse right uh-huh. and uh we're just continually pushing on this but it, it, again it's us being able to be heard by the employer and not only that uh, I do believe there's a fair out there that we're going to go to the media and we're, we're going to embarrass uh, different employers right but because um, we've
0: had to do that in and, the past and,
1: and you say the key word we had to do it yeah uh, I'll tell you one thing uh, I have a much better face For podcasts (laughs) than I do for for uh, TV. So uh, we're not looking to be on the TV all the time. What we're looking to do is to um, make our workplaces safer for Nova Scotians and for our members. Mm -hmm. And uh, if everything fails that I can't uh, get cooperation from an employer, then I'm going public with it and letting the public know there are issues in these
0: places. So people should know that if they see you on TV. It's generally because every other avenue has been exhausted and we're not getting any response.
1: Well, and it's interesting you say that because, uh, yeah, that's when you'll see me on TV, because a lot of times I've been interviewed, asked about some government moves that I agreed with. And I said, these are good moves. My members are very happy about this or whatever. That gets lost on the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because people would rather see some friction from the union as opposed to saying, this is a good policy and this is good for Nova Scotians.
0: Oh, yes. Conflict makes good news. It does. Good t- it's indeed. good TV. 2019 was a, a very good year for the union, but we had some real challenges in that um, we lost two staff members who passed away very suddenly. Uh, one was David Lawrence, he was an employee relations officer and Jackie Kramer, who's the secretary. Um, and they were both, uh, longtime members and staff members, and they were both loved by many and made really valuable contributions to our organization.
1: David, uh, I know David from previous life. We're both from Whitney Pear. It was just so great to have a conversation with Dave about issues that are going on in a local, because, uh, you always learned. And Dave always learned. Yeah. So it was always a good back and forth. And he was always down for an argument. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll tell you, this is a guy that fought relentlessly for the members. And I know he's missed by the locals that he serviced. Yeah. And uh, he's missed dearly within this office yeah. as well. Yeah. And uh, Jackie, I've known Jackie since I first became active uh, back in uh, 2003 when I w- not became active, but became active on the board of directors. Yeah. And uh, I always used to, in the old building that we had, uh, Jackie was right through a locked door and I always just knock on the door and she let me in and I go in and I, and I would chat away with Jackie and, um, she was always good just to have a laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, members loved her because she dealt with a lot of members uh, and she dealt with a lot of outside agencies to set up meetings with, within, uh, NSGU and, uh, one, th- one was, uh, Uh, everybody knows uh, my history with the Halifax police isn't stellar (laughs) and uh, Halifax police wanted to do a conference in here and she convinced me to let them have a conference in here. Uh, So she was (laughs) persuasive. Oh she was very persuasive. Jackie was good and uh, but um, she is she is missed here and um, I think I think of both of them a lot and uh but i tell you their legacy lives on Mm. and um we actually have two photos from them that that uh of them that we're going to be putting up in the membership area for everybody to see because uh they they were awesome both as members and staff members and uh, we are going to miss them and um yeah so I um I always will have good memories of them, and I and I hope everybody else is uh, having good memories of Jackie and Dave as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about our triennial conventions, And for anyone who's listening but doesn't really know what that is, uh, convention's basically where the priorities of our union are established. So more than 300 members are elected to attend, and they vote on a series of resolutions. And then those resolutions that are passed become our kind of action plan for the next three-year term. Uh, so, Jason, what would you say some of the big resolutions were that came out of uh, our most recent convention?
1: Well, actually, one of them was the domestic violence leave. Yeah, okay. That, that was uh, a resolution that was put forward, uh, as well as uh, a reaffirmation and a slight change to the 42500 that we donate. Uh, a resolution came out, but uh, one thing, one change of it was uh, that, the board of directors would determine it every, each year. Oh, okay. Because last yeah. term we we fell on uh, one of the organizations we donated to no longer existed.
0: Yeah, and so so it
1: was a, a few procedures for us to be able to do something else yeah. with with those funds.
0: A lot of people don't realize this, but we actually um, we make a lot of we make annual charitable donations. Um, so I know in 2019 we donated around $60,000 to a variety mm-hmm. of groups like Feed Nova Scotia and Kids Helpline. Um, so you guys, you, as a board, do you guys determine now who receives those funds? Yes. Okay. okay.
1: And it's done now within the budget deliberations for each year, so okay. we know upfront each year uh, by December when we finalize the budget where our funds are okay. going to be allocated. How
0: do you guys decide who who gets those funds? Or of why like what's
1: the well what we do is uh we we've we keep contact with the places that we donate to yeah and uh, we have them come do presentations to the board and let us know what they do with our money
0: yeah okay
1: and uh, so uh we want to be involved with the group more so uh than just a donation mm-hmm. but this opens the door so we have an open dialogue with them and we're able to uh to it. keep on with a relationship with the group
0: mm-hmm. and I, I guess as a union why, why is it important for a union to kind of give back to different community groups like that?
1: Well, we're a union of thirty one thousand public sector workers, yeah, so not only do our members work with the public, our members are members of the public as well. yeah, and uh, our members utilize the the Kids Help phone. Yeah. Our, our members may utilize uh, Feed Nova Scotia or yeah. may utilize uh, the AIDS Coalition in Nova Scotia, okay. right? And and uh, or participate with them. Yeah. Uh, we we all have other lives outside of our workplace and our yeah. union, and uh, we volunteer in places and we utilize services ourselves. So uh, I think it's good for us to be. Uh, a good neighbor within nova scotia and be donating and be participating
0: mm, we're part of the community so it's just kind of a way of acknowledging that yes gotcha. okay, uh,
1: cool. we exhausted ourselves years ago to try and tell nova scotians that you know we're, we're happy to serve nova scotians but uh we are part of the community as well
0: yeah it's kind of like the people who complain about taxpayers and they're like, taxpayers do <laughs> <laughs> anyways um okay anything else at a convention that you uh, wanted one to thing mention?
1: We, we we tried to do is was make it more accessible for members to see their local leadership as well because yeah. we have a lot of locals that are province-wide. We tried to create a way uh, where a local can actually do some uh, lunch and learns or meet and greets or stuff like that or you could get local leadership to be able to go visit workplaces and stuff like that. So uh, so we, we had a resolution that actually tackled that and uh, we're working on policies for it right now. We, we still do have, uh, you know, more things in in the it area that we've improved right so we're looking at equipping our offices our four offices with uh with the team software so uh, people can go to an office for a meeting okay also what we talked about was uh getting things established (laughs) that uh people can uh skype into their meeting
0: yeah so like some video conferencing yes. options for people instead of having to attend a face-to-face meeting yeah if the only thing
1: to. that that would be a hindrance for them is they wouldn't be able to vote because they're not physically at the meeting yeah but they'd be able to participate in the meeting
0: and and the discussion okay yes. that's interesting okay cool
1: uh, they can vote if it's not a secret ballot but if it's a secret ballot yeah how they have you to be there for a paper Seek, yeah it, that's
0: know? true that makes sense um so at the end of 2018 we saw kind of a major shift in this was canada wide um, in that cannabis was legalized and here in nova scotia our government surprised us all kind of pleasantly by um deciding to keep the cannabis sales public and so they were given to the nslc uh to do and a- i mean we lobbied for that uh, behind the scenes because we wanted that to happen we
1: did so originally uh this is well, as soon as I became president, I, I started on that because I, I look at and uh, in, in those that know me are tired of hearing this, I look at the, the cannabis revenue. So mm-hmm. let me start off with liquor store liquor sale revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it does is brings 500 million dollars into the coffers of government, mm-hmm. uh, which pays for our roads our hospitals, whatever mm-hmm. right um, So I was on the lobby thinking that uh, cannabis, if it was to rival, the revenues that were there for, uh, alcohol, then it would, uh, then that's $1 billion if you were to double the yeah. revenue that you're getting. So, uh, I was just doing, you know, rough Cape Breton math <laughs> and, and uh, I just started on the lobby with the premier, with, uh, with the opposition parties and with the yeah. NSLC. Uh, ultimately they decided that they would have cannabis, um, the flower and smoke cannabis, yeah. all that stuff, uh, be sold and that, that happened. Uh, in late 2018 that uh, that started the sale started there but the lobby wasn't over because edibles were coming on on stream yeah not to mention the nslc had the best model once they implemented it they had the best model in canada yeah they made money last year When every other group has claimed that they lost money. Yeah. So, um, and not only that, they have projections that this is just going to take off. And I can only assume with with the edibles that it is because a lot of people don't smoke. Yeah. And like some people are intrigued and want to try it. Mm. And, uh, but I do anticipate that being something that uh, is a staple or will become a staple within Nova Scotia. Our only hope after this is uh, we need to bolster mental health uh resources and we need to bolster uh you know more addiction resources mm-hmm. because uh when you're introducing this to be legal you're you're normalizing it mm-hmm. and uh, what you need to be able to do is deal with the fallout that comes from it because not everybody can uh, use cannabis responsibly yeah. and not everybody ends up not addicted yeah. so uh, we need to have those resources for people and that's where the money should be coming from
0: yeah, we need just generally our mental health and addiction services. Well, it's been lacking anyway. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, well, I know that for the cannabis sales last in the second quarter, they reported $18.2 million in sales. So that's a lot of money to go back into public services. And Absolutely, And that is. continues to grow. And, and it's
1: going to grow. Yeah. And they know it's going to grow. They mm-hmm. have all their projections. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is something that would be good for Nova Scotians to bump up those resources for us. That's That's specifically where I believe it should be going.
0: Okay, cool. So we touched on this a little earlier. We talked a little bit about the charitable donations that we make as an organization to different groups like um, Kids Helpline and Feed Nova Scotia. But we also have developed some good working relationships with these groups. And I know that specifically our committees, like our Women's Issues Committee and our Human Rights Committee, um, they have launched campaigns and they donate their time. Uh, So let's talk about that for a couple minutes. What's sock uh, socket to poverty has been going on for a long time. So what's that one all about? Yeah.
1: Well, socket to poverty is, uh, it's, it, it's a campaign that actually starts off, uh, late November mm-hmm. or late October going into November and it, and it ends in December and then, uh, what we do is get, uh, the committee gets together. They'll be getting together. I think within the next week mm-hmm. or so, usually in January. and, uh, but they will disperse things that came in centrally. But what they do is ask all our regions. We have eight regions, uh, eight regional councils within Nova Scotia, and they ask our eight regional councils to disperse to uh, places of need. And so, what we are asking people to do is donate socks, mittens, scarves warm winter stuff. You know, uh, because, you know, people don't have all of that. But one thing we identified over the years is. A lot of people are donating leading into Christmas Mm -hmm. and people are able to uh, get stuff for Christmas. And uh, what we want to be able to do was disperse uh, the stuff after Christmas Mm -hmm. um, because people still may be in need. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to like stretch out the donation time. Yeah. That, that people would have from something. But uh, it's something we've been doing for years. Yeah. It's not something I see going away anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, it's really refreshing to go into an NSLC or to walk into uh, Access Nova Scotia and see a donation box for, for Socket to Poverty. Yeah. Uh, it's re- it's really good. And people are bringing stuff in, which is
0: yeah. awesome. Nice to see. And then we also... Um do uh the women's issues committee donates time to feed nova scotia and this year they did also the lodge that gives is that right
1: yeah yeah so the lodge that gives it's uh you know very interesting to see the lodge that gives uh myself and to do some work with them but this was uh forward by the women's issues committee Mm -hmm. uh, again uh, headed up by the executive liaison sandra mullen and uh the relationship that that's been established there has been great they went in and they did some cleaning one day and helped out on on some cleaning which was uh, very interesting and another day myself and Sandra went over and they gave us a tour of it and okay. they came and visit us and they gave us the stats of Nova Scotians that use the lodge that gives
0: what is it it's it's where people stay if they're well, in- if
1: anybody's under any type of cancer treatment or anything like that and uh-huh. they have to come up uh, they can actually go to the lodge that gives and stay there and stay there and and bring a caregiver with them to stay with them right so uh, they they would split a room but uh, if anybody had any length of time that they need to they can apply to go Mm -hmm. there and uh, maybe they spend a whole week there Mm -hmm. or whatever right so uh, there are parameters set up for it but it's open to all nova scotians remember i told you about the group that that uh, disappeared that we couldn't make donations to. Yeah, they they Uh, folded, yeah. Yeah, well, we were able through the board of directors to uh, pass a motion to allocate that money to the lodge that gives for last year. Oh, that's nice, okay.
0: And we also, um, as an organization, we maintain a cancer care fund, and that's for our members and family, it's for our members who are either dealing with cancer themselves, or they have an immediate family member Who's been diagnosed with cancer and so it's a it's a maximum is it 200 yes
1: it's 200 that somebody can get they get it in form of uh like uh you know sobeys cards or superstore gas cards card, yeah. gas cards and stuff to to help them out while they're yeah dealing with uh their cancer issues and and what travel that they might have to do
0: yeah because it it's a pretty all-consuming thing if you have a loved one who's getting chemo or radiation treatment not only like,
1: that and if you're And that person's off of work and then you're helping that person out as well. Yeah. And uh, you're missing some work and stuff. I mean, it's it's $200, but to every, every, I believe every cent
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's a nice gesture for sure. So that's a that's been going on for a couple of years now. And we administer it now in house. So if if anyone needs that, they should just contact the um, Labor Resource Center. Contact Labor
1: Resource Center and ask for Lisa Bouchard. And and, or you can email Lisa at lbouchard at nsgeu.ca and uh, lisa will be right on it and uh, she'll contact with you and Mm -hmm. and help you out
0: cool Um, we also work with other groups on important initiatives so last year we teamed up with um, the nova scotia college of social work to advocate on behalf of members who are social workers Mm -hmm. Uh, we worked with the united way on launching the period poverty campaign here in nova scotia yes and we worked with the government on establishing the office of workplace mental health how do we get involved with all that
1: well, I mean, you know, NSGEU is not doing much.
0: Right? <laughs> we're not busy.
1: <laughs> well, the College of Social Workers, it's quite interesting uh, because it's comprised of social workers who most of we represent in the province. Yeah. And uh, our members were telling us there was issues for social workers. And the College of Social Work uh, as well uh, wanted to meet with us and wanted to team up. And we did a... A campaign uh for child welfare workers mm-hmm. and uh i believe it was quite successful yeah. uh, it went hand in hand with a resolution or sorry with a a grievance that we had that we ended up putting in the bands uh for our child protection social workers that uh, we would establish workplace uh, um, working groups, labor I management mean. groups yeah. uh, workplace labor management groups where um the employer and certain uh, members that actually put in um, expression of interest that they wanted to be on it yeah. would all be trained in uh, labor management, and what they are able to do is talk about the workplace issues they have, the the overwork issues that they have, yeah. workload, and uh, be able to address them in the regions as opposed to uh, things being handled in downtown Halifax mm-hmm. when we have four regions in this province, uh, the central, northern, uh western and uh, eastern regions yeah. right so yeah. uh so far uh what i've been hearing is they've been they've had a meeting they've been successful uh the the employee relations officers that are with these locals are actually uh taking part in this as well oh, so nice. uh you know, if everything works out, we will uh, withdraw our grievance. But if it doesn't work out, then we'll, we'll head off to arbitration if we have to. to but you. what yeah. we need to do is have the workload addressed. And that was the whole premise of that. Yeah.
0: Well, it's nice to work with the college because they must have been hearing some of the same concerns. They were hearing the, the same yeah. concerns.
1: And, uh, you know, we're, we're still having open dialogue talking about issues that are going on. Yeah. But uh, what the the campaign that we did was called Child Welfare on the Brink. Yeah. And uh, you've seen it on some bus buses yeah. and and uh, some other billboards and stuff like that and shared around social media but um, child welfare is on the brink mm-hmm. and we're trying to fix it we're trying to help yeah. and uh, the philosophy of the Department of Community Services isn't necessarily the same as nsgeu's or the or the the uh, the college social workers, but it was refreshing to work with a college, a governing body of a profession that is actually advocating for the profession. Mm -hmm. You don't see that in nursing. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in other professions. Yeah, What you see is discipline being handed by these colleges. Yeah, so, so it, I know it was, they, I was surprised. They should be a model and, for yeah. other colleges yeah. out there.
0: Oh, agreed. Um, and then the Period Poverty Campaign here in Nova Scotia, that was really well received, and that was a Women's Issues Committee it was. initiative, right? Yes, yeah. it
1: was. And, and uh, we first kicked it off and started off with uh, uh, providing um, you know, uh, tampons and pads, within in in uh, feminine hygiene products here in our office yeah. our office yeah. here in all our bathrooms but uh also uh, was out there ha- having our members advocate in the public because yeah. period poverty is something that's real oh, yeah. uh you know uh, and i never thought of it uh that way until it was brought to my attention that you know i don't have to go out and buy uh no. hygiene products like women do no right so uh that is an extra cost to women and you know what it shouldn't cost them anything
0: no and some people genuinely it's a it's a huge expense for them if yeah if they're lower income it's going to be a a problem so well some
1: people were saying they had to make choices on were were they going to get groceries or were they gonna yeah buy tampons hygiene products yeah that's
0: terrible um so that's that was well received and then uh, we also worked with government on the office of workplace mental health Yes. So that came out of, was it a pension surplus? Am I, well? Uh, that, how did that happen? <laughs> it,
1: it, actually, it, it, this is something that our former president, Joan Jessam, was working on okay. with uh, the Public Service Commission, Laura Lee Langley, uh, the commissioner. And uh, when I became president, uh, I was asked, do we still want to continue on? And I was like, absolutely. So uh, one of the brainchilds behind it is our executive director, uh, um, Robin McLean. And uh, so, a lot of work was done uh, in developing what the Office of Workplace Health would be, workplace mental health would be. But the funding wasn't secured. Hmm. So, uh, myself and Laura Lee, we got together a few times and then uh, we went and pitched what it is we want to do to the um, LTD plan. Okay. So, just to back everything up for a moment, Hmm. the Office of Workplace Mental Health is, is there to help people navigate uh around or through the mental health uh, system mm-hmm. right so it's it's set up for civil servants and uh hopefully it's going to be branch off and be open for more nova scotians but at first uh, in its inception it's set up for uh civil servants uh, that are having a hard time at work or having a hard time in their life and they need some guidance they need some help and so they have counselors that can actually speak to them it's confidential and uh, actually help them get through the system as well to, to get the help it. that they need. Uh, it's something that um, has been well-received by our membership, and it's been well-received. Uh, we have, uh, I don't know exactly what provinces are looking at it, but I believe uh, Ontario is looking at it and another province because uh, we brought this to our national union that we were doing this hmm. this here venture with the employer. And... Um, so we have other unions now that are reaching out to employers to try and get this done in other provinces. But what uh, myself and Laura Lee did, we approached the LTD plan and the the board of trustees at the LTD plan and um we asked for x amount of dollars to be able to fund it for 3 years. Okay. And uh the LTD plan found that money in their EI rebates that they have.
0: Oh, right? okay. That's where it was. Yeah. Okay.
1: So um, the monies itself, the LTD plan it is it's quite healthy, mm-hmm. but because of uh, statutes, they couldn't give any monies out of the current monies that they have yeah. uh, there. But they could give monies out of their A EI different pot. rebate, yeah. Okay. Right. So uh, the board they met and they decided to uh, fund it. So uh, we're very happy about that. Uh, the office is, is really moving along. They're gearing up right now for uh, for Bell Let's Talk Day. They they're participate in that. And um, yeah, and um, actually myself and Laura Lee, we just agreed to do a podcast uh, with the Office of Workplace Mental Health uh, to talk about um, how this is being received by yeah. Laura Lee's employees, mm-hmm. but our members. Okay, right? what it is. And yeah, yeah, that's
0: cool. Um, So we do have some challenges ahead of us for 2020. Um, I know most recently, we've kind of been working to try and ensure that the developmental workers at Emerald Hall, who were laid off by the Nova Scotia Health Authority, that they find kind of suitable placements. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where we're at with that issue?
1: Well, because this is fresh, I'll, I'll be honest with you and tell you, this angers me. Yeah. Um, we ha- we do have employers out there for no rhyme or reason. They make a decision to eliminate a job or make a decision that's adverse to our members. Yeah. And you try and figure out the logic behind it and there's none. Yeah. So, um, this are developmental workers. Uh, they work at Emerald Hall. They they do a great job working with the uh, patients that are there, but uh, the employers decide to cut their to cut them off entirely and lay them off. And uh, but they're going to replace them with with a brand new position that is of uh, lesser pay uh-huh. for one, but has more requirements for to be hired as well. Yeah. So uh, it's something that just boggles my mind but ultimately I figured out oh, what it was. It's like uh you know and this is no disrespect to any family member of the patients or clients that that are at Emerald Hall but um a lot of them don't have day-to-day advocacy and it's, that, that is why I want to say no disrespect to the families mm. because uh, the families are living their lives as well. But the developmental workers are there with them day in, day out, mm. and uh, they're advocating for them, and the employer does not like it. Mm. And so the, the, what they want to do is just take this entire group of people, and yes, I'm making it personal, this entire group of people that have been advocating for these patients for years, um, what they want to do is uh, take them and push them aside.
0: Yeah, it feels really personal because it's really it's, it is for personal. anyone who doesn't know about this issue. It's like 11. It's 11 people. Yes. And they work in Emerald Hall and Emerald Hall is where people with dual diagnosis of mm-hmm. uh, mental illness. And uh, what is it? Mental illness and uh, cognitive. Yes. Uh, issues. They they are. Um, that's where they live. So um it's a particularly challenging group of patients to work with, and um, it's been really interesting to see how the employer's tried to, or is trying to just get rid of this group of of workers. That is what they
1: do, and we've identified through the collective agreement that, you know, the employer is deeming one person to be qualified to do this Mm. new work, which Mm -hmm. is a smaller scope of work. Um, And then uh, another seven of them no sorry uh yeah I'm, try- I'm trying to do math another <laughs> nine of them are uh beyond a threshold where they can't even be laid off yeah right so yeah. that le- leaves one person that that wouldn't have the collective agreement behind them in terms of layoff yeah. right or what the employers deeming them qualified so uh what we're saying is you know what what you need to do is make them present coming only pio them change their position, but keep them at their same rate of pay and leave them in that job.
0: Yeah. Allow them to continue doing yeah, the work. Yeah, they do. Um, so we've also been working with members at Northwood um, who are have really been struggling over the last couple weeks because of a computer virus that affected their entire online system but right before the holidays. So um, where are you? I know you met with them recently.
1: Yes. Uh, our members are beside themselves. Um, this is a virus that attacked the the systems within within the uh, Northwood uh, system. So they have one system called Procura and that Procura system um, sets up the visits. Yeah. So it that schedules That our members the would go to uh, a home visit or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, but also it, it tracks the kilometers that our members would have as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that system was down. I think everything went down around the 20th mm-hmm. uh, of December, just mm-hmm. before Christmas. And some of our members, uh, under next pay, uh, well, sorry, uh, some of our members weren't paid properly when, mm-hmm. it, when it came because the system was down. And um, that procure was down, that is now back up and running. That came back up and well, running that's on good. Monday. Um, so now, the, well, I met with the employer yesterday and the employer is trying to uh, contact all of our members to confirm all their visits since the system went down so they can adjust their pay and make sure their pay it's is cracked, correct. Yeah. Uh, one thing that isn't fixed so far will be the ability to apply their premiums. Mm-hmm. So if they're working in the evening or weekend, they won't be able to get their premiums until this is back up and running. However, uh, the one good part is that Procura is back up and running and people are going to get it. I mean, we had a member that lives in Windsor, mm-hmm. does work in Windsor, mm-hmm. but also does work in Larry Utech okay right so uh that person was traveling into the city every day but not going to get paid their kilometers it's a big difference on their paycheck so not only big difference on on their paycheck christmas just happened and they have to put gas in their vehicle to still make it to their visits yeah this was an issue
0: so they're out of pocket to yes so the
1: employer has uh you know told us they're prioritizing everybody they want they set up a, a payroll line they set up uh they can they cannot use their email still oh no uh yeah uh, and uh, so their emails is an issue so they're only able to to contact people by phone
0: yeah it's a really unique challenge too because home support workers Home care workers they don't actually have a physical office they go into right no so they really work remotely and rely so much on their technology to do their work effectively and to get paid appropriately so when a system goes down like that it's a it's a big deal for them it
1: is a big deal and you know what visits got missed yeah Uh, clients were put at risk yeah and uh this is a big problem and uh we we told the employer like uh, you need to put provisions in place to keep your system safe because uh, it's not just only about people not getting paid. Although that's very very important because people don't do work for free.
0: No, it's not volunteer right? work. Right? It's yeah.
1: it's not it's not volunteer, and uh, but clients missing visits is a problem no, as well. No, that's
0: a big deal. So hopefully they'll figure out what went wrong and try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, And we also had another technological hiccup for our WCB members when they decided to implement a new online, uh, it's an online claim system, right? Is that that correct?
1: Yeah, this is a system called Guidewire. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a hiccup. I'd call it a... An unmitigated disaster. (laughs) Yeah, a disaster because uh, this is something we knew was coming down for a few years. I've met with the CEO and uh, people over at WCB and we've expressed to them concern that one you're you're cutting people out of you're cutting the people part out of uh the wcb meaning uh they had an old antiquated way of doing business because they didn't like doing faxing and stuff like that and they want to update the system but it looked to us as if they were looking to cut jobs okay right and so that was our concern in the first place now this happened where guidewire where you have uh people not getting their payments you have people um just disappearing from the system as well
0: so the rollout has not gone well oh the
1: rollout it's 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 one part of the system is not communicating with the other and it's been a total mess our members have been up against it the entire time i've been talking to uh our members along with the ceo uh like how can we you know fix this or whatever uh and what they're ultimately what they're doing is they have to hire more people to operate the system,
0: yeah, this new system, so it's kind of backfired but, on them if if their plan was to be able to eliminate jobs it's it's backfired well it, it's
1: very interesting, and we're trying to navigate through this is uh, we because we have a few policy grievances filed, uh, the employer wants to hire some people, but they don't want to hire the people they currently have what? Yeah. So they want to hire new people to a new system and they're putting more pr- prerequisites in place for people to apply for a job. So, for instance, they might have a job that says uh, you, you could have worked with the WCB for the last 14 years, 15 years. Uh, and you were working your way up through the system because that's been the culture in that place. Yeah. Even the CEO worked started, at, at, uh, started from the bottom, let's yeah. say, and now he's the CEO. Uh, but... Um, the problem that, that we have is they're putting, like, you need a degree. Well, you got hired out of, out of high school or something like that, yeah. and you've been doing the work the entire time. But now they're saying, even though you know the system, you're not qualified because now oh. we want a degree.
0: So they're setting parameters that make it so that internal candidates are not qualified. Yes. Okay, that's, that's kind of... Yes,
1: so, um, so, which really adds fuel to the fire because people didn't feel appreciated because they weren't being listened to because of this new system. Yeah. And the fear was because it looked like if the system would have went normal, they would have been eliminating jobs. And actually they did eliminate jobs and now they're calling people back. Yeah. And, uh, but now they're creating more jobs and saying people, you're not qualified to do it, even (laughs) though you work here already. So it becomes a respect issue within the workplace.
0: Well, it's kind of like insult to injury almost.
1: Not only that, the public is upset. Well, very very upset because it's
0: affecting is it affecting people able to get their benefits or is that
1: yeah so some people would be sort of pensioned off or whatever on it they're not getting them or they weren't getting them at one point uh they finally caught up to a few uh but um you had like little physio companies okay right that weren't going to make payroll because they weren't getting the remittance back from oh. WCB. Oh God! Right?
0: So it's more like the people providing this. No, it was everybody. Oh, everybody. It was, was
1: some people weren't getting their checks. So it's. But like, also, some people weren't getting their their payments.
0: So is it kind of like our version of Phoenix?
1: It was. It's and being it compared to Phoenix. Absolutely compared to Phoenix. Is it
0: still happening right now? It
1: is still happening. It, it's it's not good. Uh, Actually, we're having a meeting with the members, I think, and in, in, in a couple of weeks, yeah. in mid-January. And uh, we're looking at picketing the next WCB board meeting Ooh. to bring more attention to it. Well,
0: I'm, I was going to say, I'm surprised that I haven't heard anything in the news about this. Has it been in the news at all?
1: It, it briefly was in the news, but it hasn't been getting any type of coverage, which, okay. you know, blows my mind. It's, it's it's not my place to be bringing this out, but uh, because I'm trying to work with it, yeah. right? But um, when we do pick it, it will be, be followed by a press release by NSGEU. Yeah, NSG it will news
0: then, yeah. Okay, um, and we also continue to fight for our licensed practical nurses in Nova Scotia to be fairly compensated for their work. So as I understand it, the scope of their work has increased greatly over the years, and um, the rate of pay has not been adjusted to reflect the way their jobs have evolved. Um, so we've been trying to fight for this since like what it's 2011 or something Yeah, in crazy. 2009
1: stuff was brought, like uh, information was brought to the Joint Jobs Evaluation Committee uh, that, and to the employer, Nova Scotia Health Authority, or at that time the Capital District Health Authority. Yeah, uh, And we were saying that that uh, the LPN's duties have been substantially altered. Mm-hmm. They've changed. They're doing more. Yeah, And the employer was like, no, they're not doing more. So it became a a grievance that was sent off to an arbitrator. An arbitrator took quite some time to to render a decision. But the decision was that the duties were substantially altered. Mm -hmm. We only got that last fall. Yeah. Right. So this all really started in 2009, kind (laughs) of, (laughs) like just in its infancy. And it took, it was about over two years in the the, uh, arbitrator's hands.
0: Yeah, because there was a huge body of work to be done to substantiate our claim. Like we had to do a lot of, um, consultation with mm-hmm. the members and support our argument that the jobs had, sh- that the, the, the scope of work had changed and not just in one particular location. No, it was it like was, a province wide, was, right?
1: Well, this will affect every LPN in Nova Scotia.
0: Well, that's our hope, right? So no, the, it will. Well,
1: it absolutely will. Yeah. So every LPN that's in Nova Scotia, it will affect their their scope of work and their rate of pay but the the unique part about this was uh we could only grieve it and and challenge it through the collective agreement and our nsgeu's capital district health Authority's collective agreement was the only one that had the ability to do this yeah we didn't realize it would have such far-reaching
0: implications implications
1: but uh now what we've done is uh we've approached the employer we haven't heard back from them and, and we're just proceeding with it uh There was an assessment being done in 2015 that was put on hold to wait for the arbitrator's decision. Now the arbitrator's made their decision. We told them that work must proceed. Mm -hmm. Right, So So the
0: ball's kind of back in the employer's court right now? It's in all of our
1: courts because if the the employer has not responded to our email, so what we did was... We refer because either party can do it. We yeah. referred it to the joint job evaluation committee. Okay. So now it's going to them, okay. and they will do the assessment on it. So, which ma- is comprised of some of our members as well. Yeah. It's interesting when you look at the evolution of the work. Yeah. Let's just talk about the work. Uh, you know, let's go back. Let's go back ten years. What you have now is CCAs doing the work of the LPNs, mm-hmm. and you have LPNs doing the work of the RNs, and the RNs doing other work now.
0: Yeah, it's a right? lot of it's, a lot of paperwork for RNs now too. Yes. Yeah, it's as I understand it, that's one of the biggest kind of yes. complaints I hear from the RN side is you know we have we're buried in paperwork. We don't get to do as much bedside nursing as we used to get to do, and that's because it's fallen down right. Like they're trying to create new levels of care, I guess. Yes. And pay people less money to do. Yes, the work. they are. So, yeah.
1: Well, well, case in hand is what you see in Emerald Hall.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and so also on the healthcare front, we recently launched a campaign opposing P3 projects. Um, so what are P3 projects Jason?
1: P3 projects are public private partnerships. So basically they're, uh, the public, which would be government us paying the private sector to do a service. So uh, P3s, in this case, we're talking about hospital builds in the QE2 site mm-hmm. in Open Bayers Lake. So what the government wants to do is have private sector build it, build it and us pay rent to them or a leasing to them mm-hmm. for ever in a day, Yeah, which costs more money year over year than it does just to for us to build it and maintain it. Because if government was to build it and maintain it, uh, the only difference that you would see is that ledger mark that you owe against this this building or you have this liability or whatever. But it it, it really, in real dollars, you spend more money to oh, the yeah. private sector. And the example I have is over $200 million over the years were spent on um, the schools across Nova yeah. Scotia, yeah. to which we bought them back for another $200 million. Yeah. So we yeah. spent $400 million on something we could have spent Less on it's kind of
0: just place. like a way of cooking the books, really. It, it is because it really is because you just can always like,
1: say my budget is balanced, yeah. But you're, you're you just have a bill as opposed to something you're carrying yeah. over.
0: And I, I personally, this one really grinds my gears because our premiere in particular fallen back on the line like we're kicking the can down the road for our grandkids and I'm like this is the perfect example it of is. that it really is it like is. we're taking what is the biggest in, investment in our in our province's future and health which is literally the tertiary care center for the Atlantic provinces and saying let's pay a private company a huge sum of money to build it for us uh, like obviously a private company is not going to want to do this unless they're making profits
1: this is not unique uh for just p3s yeah this is all behind the wage restraint legislation that came out and uh media finally caught on i had a couple people approach me in media at provinces uh when the uh, crown prosecutors hmm. were uh being legislated and uh they said so Government is coming with a piece of legislation that they're saying is good, but every other distinguished lawyer across Canada—the
0: people they were attacking—yeah—comes
1: in and talks in law amendments, talking about how unconstitutional it is. So eventually, this is going to get turned over, is what we believe. Why is McNeil yet again uh, kicking the can down the road for for some poor schmuck down that that takes premier down the road to pay for? Yeah, it's going to cost.
0: It's going to cost money. Done it in
1: bargaining and he's doing it with the P3s and P3s aren't the answer. They did a reversal in Cape Breton with the P3s. Yeah. And uh, I applaud them on that because we should be owning those buildings. Yeah. We shouldn't be paying somebody to to do it. Not only that, this is all shrouded in secrecy. Yeah. He he won't even say what what the RFP says or anything like that. What in what yeah. world does this happen? It already happened with the uh with the cat theory and they lost that lawsuit. Yeah. Right? To hide yeah. those. But he's still hiding that here with, with uh, the hospitals.
0: If it's such a good deal for Nova Scotians, why are they hiding it?
1: Brag about it. Yeah. It's not a good deal. What it is, is it's a cook deal yeah. by him and his friends. That's yeah. what I believe. Yeah. It's I can't not, prove it. Yeah, That's what I believe.
0: <laughs> well, it certainly raises a number of questions. And uh, it's also been proven to not be effective in other places. Like we're not the first province that's considered doing a p3 build for a hospital i mean montreal is probably the most glaring one recently and that one was steeped in corruption and here in nova scotia our own um auditor general pickup he didn't he just say like yeah. there was a report he put out this is he,
1: uh, this is uh, ripe for corruption uh, fraud yeah fraud and corruption said. right yeah. so
0: it's i don't understand
1: but that's the ag yeah who is supposed to be out there looking out for us and guiding government in their yeah. way, and, and McNeil's just fluffing them off.
0: Yeah, just ignoring it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, is there anything else big on the horizon that you're looking forward to in 2020, Jason? Uh, well... <laughs> you got that new website.
1: <laughs> we do. We have, a, we have a brand new website, which I'm really happy about because it's mobile friendly. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age of where people are just to a website and do two clicks, Yeah. that's fine but I need people to be able to see it on their, on their mobile device because we use our mobile devices more oh, yeah. than we've ever used them. Mm-hmm. And not only that, uh, attached to that website, we created an app that will be getting released very shortly, uh, which is quite exciting because you can get push notifications from it. Yeah. Uh, you can tailor make it to what information that you want to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't want it at all, then don't download it. But And you yeah. use it and you sign in and, and, uh, you know you can do some communication from it it has capabilities that we can build on yeah but we want to get the uh the the body of people using it yeah. to be able to uh, start utilizing it more so well,
0: what's really nice about it is like when people people will be given like a login for it yes and once you're logged in you're going to be able to see your collective agreement You'll be able to see who your um, elected your local officials are, like who your pre- local president is and whatnot, and also who your employee relations officer is. Mm-hmm. So that's big because th- that's probably we get the most calls on that. We know people call into the labor resource center and they don't they don't know what local they're in, they don't know anything about their contract, they don't know who to talk to. So this will give them that kind of basic information right at their fingertips.
1: That's it. Uh, uh, the entire time that I've been president of NSGU. I've been wanting to make it more accessible, Yeah. make us more accessible. So uh, staff and uh, the elected leadership should be accessible and we're accountable to the membership. And I think this is another step in the right direction yeah. to get us there.
0: It's a good tool, yeah, for sure. Um, what are you looking most forward to accomplishing this year?
1: Well, um, Before I get into that question, Mm. let me add on to the other one.
0: Oh, you're excited about something else? Oh,
1: I'm very excited about our new education program.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, so uh, we have a new education program that's rolling out. We have programs, I do believe, starting in early January, uh, mid January, sorry. Uh, But um, watch your email. And if you don't have, uh, if you're not getting emails from NSGEU, then what you need to do is call a labor resource center at uh, 424-4063 and uh, get your information in there because we're offering programs all around the province. We want you to be able to take it in and see what NSGEU is about. Hmm. Uh, our new education officer, well, she's not new anymore, Lori, Lori Smith. <laughs> she's new but, in the But uh, the yeah. program she's delivering is new. Uh, we have new videos out that talk about labor management, talk about the role of the president, role of the steward, yep. stuff like that. I just want people to be informed on what is what i don't need any member to be an expert in their collective agreement but i want them to be aware of where they can look things up yeah. where they where they can do it because i'll tell you if a member looks in their collective agreement and calls me and says hey this says x y and z and i could be like well, no, doesn't really say that, or yes, it does say that. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, that's somebody looked in their collective agreement. Yeah. That, that's really advocating for themselves or a coworker. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, but that governs your your workplace, and yeah. uh, that's something that you should have close to you, and you will be able to do that with it being on the, in the app.
0: Yeah, it's all about making the union more accessible because that's the thing. Is like is. I found I came to work here. I. I from outside of the union, like I wasn't aware of the labor movement. And it's kind of like a, it's a bit of a click, right? Like once you're, if you're not in it, there's a lot of jargon, there's a lot of acronyms, there's a lot of Yeah, we're a lot trying of to stuff. break that yeah. down, but it's hard. It is hard because. So
1: we just want to be arms wide open and yeah. say, don't condemn me because I use this acronym, but um just work with me on something, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's just, we need to be welcoming. Yeah. We need to be arms wide open because every member pays dues every member matters and every member should have uh, a a level of uh, self-responsibility to be able to just have that information. Yeah
0: well we say it all the time you know people see us as another entity but our members are the union. They are the union. Well, Jason, I think that I have taken up enough of your time today. I appreciate you coming in to do a recap on 2019 with me and a look ahead to 2020. all the best to you and to our listeners for a happy and prosperous new year
1: well thanks for having me holly and for anybody that's still listening yeah thank you for keep <laughs> uh, listening. for still yeah
0: uh thank you for tuning into union matters we hope you enjoyed this episode please don't forget to subscribe we are also on facebook and twitter at nsgeu have a good one
1: thank you